Hello, I'm Ben Williams, Administrator of Science at the Virginia Museum of Natural History. Welcome to the VMNH Cast. So, Nancy, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Ben. Hey. How's it going? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, be on the podcast here. The, the topic today, um, you, know, you wrote a uh, paper a little while ago, and I've been at the museum almost four years now, and in that time I have not seen anything capture the public imagination in such a way as the subject Armadillos in Virginia, which was probably spoiled if you saw the title of the podcast. Um, but so we are going to be talking about Armadillos in Virginia. They are uh, showing up here, and uh, Nancy, you sort of broke the news on this. My first question for you would be, you know, how did this get on your radar? How did you find out that armadillos were starting to pop up in Virginia, and where were they popping up? So this happened, I want to say, in early, 19, uh, early 2019. A colleague of mine at the Department of Wildlife Resources emailed me and said, uh, we think we have a confirmed armadillo sighting in southwest Virginia. And a few months later, he emailed me and said, well, we have a dead armadillo in southwest Virginia. And my response to the first email was, what are they doing mm -hmm. in southwest Virginia? Mm -hmm. uh, because they were not really even on my radar screen as a, um, an animal that was even near our borders. Um, I wrote a... Uh, I compiled literature and wrote a paper about mammals of Virginia in, uh, with another colleague, that, and it was published in 2017. And so I, I was pretty familiar with the literature of all the species that had ever been reported in Virginia, and we even tried to uh, cover the things that might show up in the near future. And armadillos were not on our radar. But in any event, so in the spring of 2019, we had a dead armadillo. And uh, this colleague of mine at Wildlife Resources, Mike Fees, um, is a pretty skeptical kind of guy. And if, an, if, 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 if this was an animal, he suspected that somebody went down to Florida and caught a live one and then brought it up to Virginia and let it go, uh, he would have he would have told me that. Yeah. But he, he the impression I got from him was this armadillo made it to Virginia on his own power. Yeah. Under his own power. Um, and his actually his reply to my first question is what are they doing in 
Southwest Virginia was, we think they're coming from Eastern Kentucky. And I said, holy crap, mm -hmm. what are they doing in Eastern Kentucky? Because again, they were not even on my radar. Well, you know, I'll, I'll reveal my ignorance here. You know, generally when I think of armadillos, I imagine them uh, trundling through a desert with a, a cactus in the background. But, you know, I've, I've since learned they have a much wider range of habitats that they enjoy. So, you know, what sort of, I guess, what is their, their range, generally speaking? Okay, so nine-banded armadillos, which is the only one we have here in the United States, um, actually occur throughout Central America, up into Mexico. They get basically on the, into the tip of South America, but they occur um, on, on the eastern coast of Mexico and up into Texas. And I'm like you, I pretty much associate armadillos more with uh, sandier soil, actually, because mm -hmm. I guess I'm used to seeing them in, in Florida. Um, they were introduced to Florida, by the way. Um, so armadillos actually require moist soil not desert, because they are, uh, they are carnivores and pretty much feed on soil invertebrates. So they require um, moister soil, easier digging, but the invertebrates require the moisture, otherwise they would dry out. So they're going after insects, and um, that's kind of where the first guy got into trouble um, with the, the, the first sighting in Southwest Virginia, um, uh, this um, woman had something digging up her backyard and she wasn't sure what it was. She took pictures of it and pictures of the, the damage that it was doing to her yard. And armadillos make sort of a, a characteristic kind of little cone-shaped hole when they're digging. And somebody saw that and said, well, we think it's an armadillo. Mm -hmm. And she persisted in trying to get photographs of the animal, and she finally did, confirmed photographs. And that's when another colleague of mine, uh, Seth Thompson, who also works for Department of Wildlife Resources, he tried to trap that animal out of her yard, uh, and he was unsuccessful. Um, and that was the first email that Mike had sent me. We think we, we're pretty sure we have an armadillo. So, um, because Seth had seen the photograph and he knew the he knew the woman, and so he believed what she was saying that that's what you know that animal was photographed in her in her backyard. Um, and then again, a couple of months went by. And he got another report of a, what we believe is a different individual armadillo. Somebody's dog had killed it. And that's where I came into the story because Mike, um, Mike and I uh, have known each other for years and he believes like I do that um, we need to be documenting the species here in Virginia and preserving them in natural history collections um, as evidence of which species are occurring here when. 
And so he he told Seth, put that armadillo in a freezer, and we'll get it to Nancy, and she'll be able to pre- prepare it and uh, archive it in the collection of the Virginia Museum of Natural History. So that's what happened. And I've, I've seen this armadillo. We have, at this point, uh, a couple in our collections um, with the you know, sort of skeleton and then the, the armor shell and the... Uh, the carapace, the carapace. as we call it. The yes. carapace and the the uh, the hat, I believe, is the technical <laughs> term. The little little head covering right, thing. Right, the osteoderm. The osteoderm. That was. I uh, believe it's what it's called. Yeah. Well, you know, scientists are split. Osteoderm hat. You know, yeah. no one's no one's settled on the proper term yet. But, um, but yeah, I've I've seen these in the collections. They're very you know, very nice specimens. And and so at this point, we just have the two in our collections. Going further back in time. Um, Mid-1800s is when they were first reported in the lower Rio Grande Valley of Texas. So they had just basically made it into the southern tip of Texas at that point. Uh, Kind of fast forwarding, by the uh, mid-1920s, they were up into Louisiana, again on their own power. And then by the mid-1930s, they made it east of the Mississippi River. And I believe, and other people have written, that that uh, transport across the river was probably aided by people, maybe unintentionally. Um, At that time, railroads had extended down into Texas uh, and transporting cattle back up into um, the rest of the U.S., east of the river, and it's possible that uh, armadillos made it onto rail cars and rode across the river um, during that mechanism, or um, somehow one made it across the river on an automobile bridge. In any event, by the um, mid-1930s, they were established east of the Mississippi River And pretty much simultaneously, there were a couple of releases on the east coast of Florida. One of them intentional and one of them accidental of live armadillos onto the east coast of Florida. And uh, those populations were were able to establish themselves and reproduce self-sustaining populations. They started expanding out covering the peninsula of Florida. And then we had another intentional release in South Alabama about the same time. So by around 1960, we had a pretty substantial population up into Texas, um, Oklahoma, Arkansas, into eastern Mississippi, just across the river, a little population being established in South Alabama and pretty much the whole peninsula, the northern part of Florida was covered in armadillos. So by the 19 early 1970s they had the, the Florida population started expanding up. The Mississippi population pretty much fused with the South Alabama one. By 1994, those eastern and western populations had merged and were expanding northward, northward and eastward, heading toward, as we now, heading toward, no now, heading toward 
Virginia. And um, in just 10 years from uh, the mid-90s till the mid-20-teens, they had made it all the way up into Indiana, Illinois, uh, the whole western Kentucky, western Tennessee. And we were seeing uh, periodic reports, observations of uh, what we call pioneering individuals. So these are animals that are traveling beyond the known range of uh, self-sustaining reproducing populations, uh, sort of uh, making inroads north and east. So we had those kinds of observations popping up in North Carolina and eastern Tennessee in the mountains by, uh, as I know now, by mid-2013. They were, there was an expanding front coming toward us and none of us knew. Yeah. So by the time I knew anything about armadillos, when my, my friend Mike uh, emailed me and said, we've got some dead ones, we need, and I, my immediate thought was, we need to document this in the scientific record. We need to publish in a peer-reviewed journal these observations. Um, so uh, this article that came out in fall of 2021, we had by then uh, five confirmed sightings of armadillos. The, the two specimens that we have in our collections now from Russell County, uh, the first animal that was in Buchanan County, another individual in Washington County, and a roadkill in Wythe County. So when Mike and I uh, started looking into this and putting these points on a map, we started looking at nearby locations in North Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, trying to figure out where are these animals coming from. His first thought was they're coming from eastern Kentucky because he was aware that just across the border from Buchanan County over in Pike County, there were some roadkill observations in 2019. Um, and then I found uh, an iNaturalist observation, Sullivan County, Tennessee, just south of Washington County, Virginia. So there was a roadkill animal in 2019. And a um, colleague of Mike's who works for the De Tennessee Department of Wildlife Resources reported a roadkill just south of the border um, near Bristol. And we started looking at uh, reports uh, on the uh, North Carolina Department of Wildlife Resources website where a colleague of Mike's, uh, Colleen Offenbutel, had documented observations, uh, confirmed observations of North Carolina. So we started shading in counties that had confirmed observations since 2013. Mm -hmm. And you can see that there's quite a few counties being shaded in, that, that we shaded in on these maps that we're looking at then. Mm -hmm. um, in eastern Tennessee, eastern Kentucky, North Carolina, and when Mike and I actually started looking at this more carefully and looking, started reading more about the biology again, at first I was thinking that these are more dryland animals, sandier soil, 
But the more more I got into the literature, uh, as it turns out, um, studies of armadillos in um, Georgia and Alabama are reporting lots of armadillos using floodplains. They're they're looking for invertebrates in the leaf litter in deciduous forests because that leaf litter holds in the soil moisture. So armadillos may range pretty widely in their daily uh, travels, but where they're feeding is along those floodplains. So when you start looking at the orientation of uh, the rivers over in southwest Virginia, so there's a southwest to northeast orientation of a couple of rivers, um, the upper clinch, the watershed of the upper clinch, and the watershed of the Holston that mirror that um, southwest to northeast orientation. And of course the mountains are sort of uh, layered like that. So the topography of the, the topography of the area um, is making us think more along the lines that these armadillos are coming from eastern Tennessee, not eastern Kentucky, because the watersheds, the floodplains, are in the correct orientation. And as you can see, um, most of our observations are well within those uh, watersheds. And um, Mike is a, a big proponent of the philosophy that there are animals, mammals, that uh, hitch rides mm-hmm. along uh, interstates. And some of, the, some of the observations we've seen are, in fact, pretty close to I-81. So we may have animals that are hitching rides on flatbed trucks. Um, and uh, we have actually, since 2020, had more observations in southwest Virginia. Um, Our friend Dwayne Yancey Mm -hmm. is doing a really good job of documenting armadillo sightings here in southwest Virginia. And so we have uh, four more observations all within just that little part of Virginia that touches on North Carolina, Tennessee, eastern Kentucky, and West Virginia. Uh, in 2021 and 2022. And just in June, uh, my colleague Seth Thompson emailed me and he said he has a roadkill from Wise County. So we will be adding our third specimen of armadillos from Virginia to the collection um, as soon as I can get down there and pick that one up. You know, it's interesting to me because um, I know talking to uh, Dr. Cal Ivanov or Dr. Jackson Beans, our, our entomologists here, you know, so often when we see the northward expansion of an insect species, it's due to climate change. Um, you know, the areas north of their range are warming up and now it's a suitable habitat for them. But it doesn't seem like uh, the expansion of armadillos is related to climate change necessarily. It almost seems more like just they're sort of being funneled along in these... Um, uh, valleys or these uh, basins. Yeah, I, I probably it's not having warmer winters is not hurting them, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's propelling them 
um, hurtling northward um, <laughs> into up into Virginia. Um, but as I said, so the it, one of the main factors that looks like it's controlling where can they live is soil moisture, and um, one aspect of winter being um, warmer might be that the uh, soil is not freezing as much or for as long. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think it's the factor that's causing them to move northward, but um, certainly by the time they get up into, and I, you know, the predictions are that uh, the entire state of Virginia is suitable uh, habitat for them and suitable climate in terms of soil moisture and uh, average number of days when the, when there's ice or snow cover because the, these animals don't hibernate so they have to get out and get food even in the winter and so if the if there's dense snow cover and ice um, preventing them from digging up grubs or or invertebrates or if the invert if the if the soil temperature is making the invertebrates go deeper in themselves then it makes it more difficult for armadillos to uh, continue eating through the winter I mean looking at the the maps you've got and you know the rate of expansion I mean this seems like a pretty rapid expansion of the species you know over you know just a few decades really so you know, I know it's it's not the sort of thing that's easy to predict, but um, you know, do you think within the next 30, 40 years we'll be seeing armadillos in Martinsville, Henry County, Northern Virginia? Um, yeah, in fact, so the maps we were just looking at were kind of focused in on the southwestern part of the state, but now we're looking at the distribution of confirmed sightings of armadillos from 20, 2007 through 2020. Again, Colleen Alfenbutel compiled these observations. You can see that there are confirmed observations of armadillos all the way from the mountains of North Carolina into the Piedmont and coastal plain. And in fact, um, if you'd asked me five years ago, oh, if we were going to have armadillos in Virginia, where do you expect to see them? Mm -hmm. I would say over on the coastal plain. Yeah. Because by that, I knew that armadillos had made it up into um, South Carolina, and I was assuming, I assumed that they would probably just keep expanding um, up the coastal plain, in, and we would start seeing them around Norfolk or um, just west of there. Um, so that's one reason I was... Uh, pretty pretty surprised when Mike emailed me and said, oh, we've got armadillos in Virginia, and we think they're coming from eastern Kentucky. Yeah. But to come back to the range expansion, yeah, and I, I didn't do the work, but I've read the, read the uh, report of other, uh, another person, James Tallman, is the one who kind of, um, that, I, that I relied on quite a bit, in researching the background of armadillos in the United States and how did they get here, how did they get up into uh, Georgia and um, western Tennessee and western Kentucky. He compiled back in the day 
um, all the observations, what he did is he sent out um, surveys to all the wildlife uh, resource agency personnel asking them, have you seen an armadillo? Have you seen a dead armadillo? Have you seen a live armadillo? And um, compiled all this information and published it in 1996. And then he did an update in 2014, fortunately mm -hmm. for me and Mike. We took mm -hmm. advantage of all the background, uh, all the work that he and Lynn Robbins had done to document armadillos in the U.S. and uh, especially in the Southeast. You know, I've, I know that um, you mentioned Dwayne Yancey earlier, and you know, Cardinal News is your source for armadillo updates. Um, Dwayne has done a very good job of um, uh, collecting reports from folks uh, in Virginia who, who have seen or, or at the very least claim to have seen armadillos. And, um, you know, there is a good reason to... Um, make sure these are confirmed sightings. You want a photo or, you know, if, if it's struck by a vehicle, you want to get the specimen. But, you know, it seems like he is getting a surprising number of hits uh, on his little range map he's been compiling. And you have to think a, a decent portion of those are authentic. You know, do you think that um, armadillos are going to be in Martinsville and Henry County maybe sooner than we think? Um, yeah, like I said, it looks like they are, um, they're just south of here in North Carolina, so um, they're moving up, and I don't know that I would, if, before, I, before I did this study, what I would have expected them to be using um, highways mm -hmm. as the corridor, mm -hmm. um, but it, it looks more like they're going uh, along the rivers, and because of that, it seems like we've got uh, the Dan River is, uh, and the Smith are more west to east. Mm -hmm. So I don't think they're. I don't think the rivers are going to be barriers per se to the armadillos, but they're not going to be the corridor, the the as much of a corridor. Well, they're probably going to the rivers because they started out taking eighty one. You know, yeah. I, I hate eighty one. <laughs> yeah, they got burned out on that real fast. But coming back to. Um, Coming back to photographs and um, Dwayne Yancey uh, updating his map, uh, and uh, thank you, Dwayne, for producing such nice graphics uh, on your website. The thing I want to mention is the advent of digital game cameras, because that has allowed us to document with photographic evidence um, a whole host of uh, wildlife species and armadillos are, are, are pretty pretty hard thing to misidentify, <laughs> I mean, um, even on a game camera. So the game camera reports that Dwayne has gotten, as long as we can reliably trust that the person had the game camera where they said they did, mm -hmm. um, obviously I, I trust those reports, I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. And we have had, besides the roadkill from Wise County, we've had several other game camera photos submitted to Mike Fees at Department of Wildlife Resources, and so those we consider those to be confirmed sightings too. And that uh, well, that led into uh, my next question, which was going to be, you know, if you're in Virginia and you see an armadillo, is Mike Fees the person to to reach out to? 
I think on the Department of Wildlife Resources website, they have a mechanism for reporting observations of things that are you you deem to be unusual. In fact, one of the one of the observations that we reported in our the article we published in 2021 was a photograph of a roadkilled animal um, along I-81 that a, a member of the public had reported and we uh, we checked into the details of it and we believed what they said but and they sent us a photograph reported through that um, reported through the DWR website. Okay, well, that's good to know. And uh, you know, one uh, one other question: If, like me, uh, someone has never had an experience with an armadillo, you know, if you find an armadillo in your in your backyard, is there any cause for concern? Or they obviously they're wild animals, but are they uh, are they dangerous in any way? I understand that they can do some damage to your lawn mm-hmm. or to or your golf course mm-hmm. uh, digging after grubs they are um, they can be pretty destructive to your turf I guess I don't think that they are aggressive I think they may have poor eyesight but they have really good sense of smell my advice which pertains to pretty much any <laughs> wild mammal you might mm-hmm. encounter is just let them be. Yeah. <laughs> Stay steer clear of them. Let them do their thing, and you do your thing, mm-hmm. and um, maybe it'll all work out. <laughs> That's words to live by. <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to me, and uh, hopefully uh, we can sit down again soon. It's been great. Thanks, Nancy, and thank you for listening. As always, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Carter Bank and Trust, and I'd also like to thank my friend Doug Cheatwood for the use of his song, Digging Up Dinosaurs and Putting Them Together Again. We'll see you next time.